This is Richard Lett, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Hey, why not book a Yuck Yucks on tour show for your school, fundraiser, or next corporate event? Go to yuckyucks.com and click on Hire a Comic. Let our experienced agents help you put together a show that is just right for you. Be sure to tell them you heard it right here on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. So sit back, relax. It's showtime. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy. I don't think so. What? What? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. With your host, Jake Hirsch. What is going on, my little yuckamaniacs? It is I, Jake Hirsch, the hostess with the mostess. Thank you for joining me on yet another wonderful week of the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. How was last week, man? Last week was awesome. Did I not tell you about it? Didn't you guys catch the show? I hope so, because we had a killer episode with the ever-so-funny and delightful Mr. Eddie DeLiseppe, and of course, our good friend, Mr. Miles Morrison. Yes, great show, knocked it out of the park, and uh, we got some great hits on that one. Really good. And hey, props, big kudos go out to Eddie DeLiseppe and his co-host, MJ Riggins, uh, on the success of their podcast. Absolutely unbelievable. I've been uh, I've been in contact with Eddie pretty much on a daily basis. This is... Uh, this is Team Delisepi headquarters here up in Canada, uh, and yeah, we've been uh, we've been rapping, we've been we've been uh, we've been bantering back and forth, brainstorming, uh, lots of exciting stuff going on for Eddie and his co-host MJ. Uh, they are the hosts of their hit iTunes show, Barely Friending. Go check them out. Go check them out. If you have not heard this podcast, you guys need to get on it. It's very very funny. Uh, I didn't really know what to think. I remember meeting Eddie for the first time at the airport, uh, up here in Calgary. And he was telling me about his podcast and I, and I mean, you know how many people tell you about podcasts on a daily basis? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously for me, it's a little bit different. I do this full time. I mean, I, I podcast pretty much full time. So when I talk to people, it always comes up who, you know, what podcasts are you listening to? Who, you know, who are your favorite podcasts? And I've got a list of them. I do. Um, I, I, there's a ton of shows out there that I think are just absolutely brilliant. Um, NPR is one of my, I know, I know the first thing out of your mouth, Jake Hirsch says NPR. Uh, yes, they have like this American life, uh, stuff like that. I love those types of shows. Uh, obviously serial came out of that. One of the highest rated podcast episodes, I think in history, uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, unbelievable how that show took uh, took the podcast world by storm. But there's a ton of shows out there I love. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Mark Maron, WTF. Uh, I love Ari Shafir's podcast. I love uh, The Church of What's Happening Now uh, with Joey uh, Diaz. Uh, I, I'm I'm a big Rogan fan as well. I think he's he's got some fascinating guests on. Uh, there's there's just there's a ton there's a ton. But anyway, I digress. When Eddie tells me about his show, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I have to check that out. Uh, and I just didn't check it out. I didn't check it out for like a week or two or whatever. And then he left town and, uh, I was, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was driving to town one day and I, I put it on and, uh, I just was like, wow, I felt I was kicking myself in the ass. I was like, how did I not get on this sooner? Very witty, very funny. 
uh, just a great chemistry between the two of them. And hey, lo and behold, Eddie's podcast is rate is like ranking at number nine right now on the top 100, <laughs> like in the comedy world. That's fucking unheard of, man. Unbelievable. Huge success. That's amazing. I mean, thousands of downloads. That's great. Hey, congrats again. Uh, you guys, uh, well-deserved, great show. Keep it up. Again, guys, go check them out. Barely Friending on iTunes. And I believe they're on SoundCloud as well. Um, on to this show. Now, this is a very special episode for me. Um, it's been sitting on the uh, in the archives for a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to go into um, a little bit, uh, some of the behind the scenes of this story. Um, our guest today is Kathleen McGee. Fine woman, fine young lass who uh, is... I mean, she's kind of taken the comedy world by storm in Canada. She's got a great following, huge fan base. Uh, she spent some time in the States. She's got a, a really good fan base down there. Uh, she's made a lot of headlines. She's a very, very uh, gifted comedian and uh, someone who, I mean, I consider a friend now. She's just very, very nice person. Um, it was a very fascinating episode. Uh, this took time, uh, actually took place right around the same time as the Allison June Smith uh, episode when uh, when Allison was in town. So if you guys remember back uh, to that episode, uh, right around that time. And it's been sitting in the archives. And, you know, Kathleen and I talked about it. Um, and she really wanted it out. She really wanted me to put it out. And I'm not a big fan of censorship. I'm not a big fan of, of editing uh, conversations and stuff like that. Um, there are a couple of instances though, where I think it is appropriate and I'm going to get into why when you sit down with somebody and you do a podcast and, and trust me, there's, there's a million podcasts out there. You guys can go out and listen to on a daily basis and hear really good, solid interviews and hear, you know, people, you know, talk about current events that, you know, science, uh, you know, history, politics. There's a million podcasts out there every day. And I think that they're all absolutely wonderful. I think there's a million wonderful podcasts. However, not do you have an opportunity all the time to do shows where you get to sit down with one person one-on-one -on -one and have a really good chat and not all the time. Our interview is going to be face-to-face. -face. Sometimes they're over the phone. Sometimes you can't get down to the club. Sometimes you can't get down to wherever you're going to record at. Sometimes you got to Skype them in or just use your phone to, to, to bring callers in. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's not often that magic happens out there in the podcast world. It's not often you catch these moments when, when people connect and they're able to kind of bear their soul. And I think this episode this was basically what it was all about. Um, Kathleen and I just started talking and it was immediately felt like we were old friends. Immediately felt this kind of weird connection where it's like we knew each other before. So as the conversation went on, as the more we talked on the show, uh, the more Kathleen opened up. And as you're going to hear in the interview, uh, she got very emotional at times and the entire time, all I could think about was, wow, how passionate this person is about their profession and how passionate they are about the industry in Canada and her fellow comedians. Um, you didn't hear a lot of me, me, me. You didn't hear a lot of, you know, 
hey, I didn't get this and I, you know, deserve this and I deserve that. What you did hear or what you will hear is a lot of, even if I don't make it, even if I don't become successful, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of very talented people out there in Canada that do deserve it. So this all begs the question, are we doing enough, right? This is kind of where the conversation went to. And the reason why you're going to hear a couple of chops and edits in the interview is because there were at times, as I mentioned, that Kathleen did get emotional. And I think it's appropriate that you should, uh, you know, perhaps give that person respect, um, stop recording and actually be a bit more human with it. Hey, are you okay? You know, do you want to stop? You know, are we going down chartered territories? Maybe we shouldn't. Um, I don't want to make anybody upset and I certainly don't want to push anybody um, to feel like they need to bear their soul to me. Um, but I'm going to tell you this, that when people do, when people do bear their soul and just leave it all out there on the table, you got to respect it. But on the flip side of that, I'm sure we've all been at certain times in our life and certain times in our career when we begin to question those, those little voices that say, Hey, you know what? Are we on the right track? How long is this going to take? Are those chances at success or, or, you know, fame or whatever the hell you want to call it? How far is this going to be? You know, and is it going to happen? I mean, some people just, I mean, you've all heard stories, right? People that should have made it and, and could have made it and they just didn't make it or they just didn't get the recognition that they deserved. And that's the gamble that people take in this business. And it's very powerful to see somebody talk about it and get emotional about it and be this passionate about it. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. As I said, it was a really good uh, interview. And it was, like I said, one of my favorites because it's not very often you get people that are willing to be vulnerable with you and trust you and those types of things. So I, you know, I'd like for you guys to check it out and let me know what you think. Um, hey, shoot us an email. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Twitter at Jake Hirsch EG. And uh, of course, our executive producer, Miss Kira Williams. Uh, and you can see her on Twitter as well, at Kira, K-Y-R-A-U-G-H. And I just realized that's a play on your name. Kira, wow, look at me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not as smart as you guys think I am. Uh, Kira. Anyway, let's go talk to Kathleen McGee. Very man bashy. Like I don't think I, it has. I don't think it has. I think you actually tell a lot of jokes that men appreciate. But that's the thing about it is like I'm not making shit up. I've had a full year of shit experiences with men. I've had a whole lifetime, not a whole lifetime because I didn't start having sex when I was 18, but since I was 18, I've had some really horrible sexual experiences with men and a few great ones. Right. But it's just like I'm 
just being honest. I'm telling the truth. Like, a lot of the times, I don't come because guys don't give a shit. <laughs> this podcast got real, real fast. Zero to 60 in the first minute. A I lot like of the it. times, like it's just it. it doesn't happen because it's, I don't know. And it, it's probably my fault, too. I fake it a lot just to get it over with. I yeah. have major issues. <laughs> Well, we're going to work through that in the next 30 right. minutes here. All we're right. going to we're going to start. But you know, like any good therapist does, we yeah. got to start from the very beginning. Oh shit, okay. Yeah. Tell me about Kathleen McGee, the little the little Like the little Kathleen around. McGee? Yeah. <laughs> where are you from? What uh where did you come from? This is Um I grew Edmonton. up in Edmonton. Right. Yeah, I grew up in Edmonton and uh I grew up in like a probably like I would say middle upper class neighborhood. It's the neighborhood is called Crestwood, so it sounds really snooty. It does sound like very, yeah. yeah. And the school that I went to, this is the funniest part. The school that I went to was a school for gifted children. Mm-hmm. I got to go there because we lived across the field, and they had to let kids in the neighborhood into that school. They right. had to have a quote. Like, if, if you lived within a certain radius of the school, you got in automatically. But it was a school for gifted children. I was not a gifted child. <laughs> How did you how did you get to the front of the line on this one? I think it wrecked my learning. Did I it? think it fucked me up because I was so I never did well in school. Like I never got good grades. Like, did you always feel like you were behind everybody else? A little bit. Extra help and, and now that like like I've had people say to me and I worked with Dave Foley once and he yeah. commented because I have tattoos on my feet one says left and right. And he looked at them and he's like, that's a cool idea. He's like, but do you, do you have them because you really have a tough time telling left from right? I'm like, yeah. I used to always have to do the L left Shut hand. Up. And then he goes, do you like talking on the phone? I'm like, hate it. Hate talking on the phone. And then he said, when you read, like, do you read fast? I was like, no, it takes me ages to read a book. He's like, you are mildly or severely dyslexic. He, he diagnosed me. Did and he then, fully freaking diagnose you? Yeah. That's and then crazy. So then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I probably had a learning disability. And unfortunately, I was in school before learning disabilities were kind of like That's focused right. on and, right. and nurtured. Yeah. And now they are. But but I nobody gave a shit back then. No. I was going to this school with all these extremely intelligent children. And me and my best friend who lived around, <laughs> we always <laughs> felt like idiots. And then I, it's so funny because my best friend and I, She's like the greatest. We've known each other since kindergarten. Like that's where we met. And <laughs> we went back to the school for like a anniversary thing. And we saw one of our teachers who was never really a big fan of us. Right. Because we'd always talk in her class and stuff. And she said, oh, girls, what are you doing? And this was before I had done any comedy. And so my friend Jana was like, I do nails. And I'm like, and I work at a call center. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's about what I expected out of you two girls. Like we're the two girls that... In grade four, our teacher was, we did Japan as one of the subjects. Our teacher was reading Shogun. Right. And she kept on, there's a lot of stuff about sailing in it. So she said, so she was like, and the seamen were all over the boat. And me and my friend, (laughs) in grade four, we knew what seamen was, I guess. It was a grade four or five. It doesn't matter. But I was like, we would like giggle, giggle. And then she was like, girls, if you can't be adults about this or control yourself, we will stop reading. And then so we were like, okay, we won't. And then... And then she said, and the semen exploded everywhere or something, like, right? Because there's a lot of semen in Shogun, the book. And she, and she stopped reading, and all the kids hated us. But we just laughed. That was we used to, like, write dirty sex stories in grade seven. So you were on to Fifty Shades way before it's time. What I, yeah, I knew about sex, like, definitely by junior high. My parents 
didn't talk to us about it. They, my dad just gave me and my brother this giant book. Right. So was it, it wasn't the joy of sex, <laughs> but it was like a sex explanation book. Right. But literally, I just used it to like, I'd bring my friends over and we would go in the basement and look at it and laugh at the uncircumcised penises. Like, it looks like Snuffleupagus. <laughs> but I remember early on, I wanted to have sex, but I was a really fat kid. I was. I was a really fat kid. So guys were not... Guys liked to be around me because I was very funny, but nobody right. wanted to fuck me in high school. <laughs> nobody wanted to fuck me in high school at when all. When was the first time? How old were you? I was like 18. And I... Oh, that's awful. I've, I don't even know the guy's name. <laughs> you don't remember the guy's name? I had sex at a bush party in the woods. <laughs> this is what my... I am not a Disney princess. I am not a Disney. I princess. love talking about it because it's, it's a huge part of your, your your stand-up routine. You talk a lot about yeah, it's all sex, about yeah. and, it's, and it's 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 current, but it's funny, and people love it. It's my real truth. It's like my life. Like I, I'm obsessed with sex. I like having it. I like talking about it. I, I like, and I think that girls and guys appreciate my show because I'm so honest about it. Sure. Because so many people are scared to talk about it. People are scared to talk about masturbating. Right. Like. Oh my god! If anybody knew that I ever masturbated, everybody masturbates. Yeah. yeah if you yeah. don't masturbate, you're weird. Right. If you're like I've met girls that are like 25 and they've never <laughs> masturbated, and I'm like, "Have you had sex?" They're like, "Oh yeah." Have you had an orgasm? I think so. If you're saying I think I had an orgasm, you haven't <laughs> you had, haven't an, had orgasm. an orgasm yet. And if I meet a 20, I'm at a 32. She was like my age. Right. Never had an orgasm. Really. And I'm like, you've never even given one to yourself? And she's like, no. I'm like, you are going out tomorrow and buying a vibrator. <laughs> and your life is going to change. Maybe you should have been coaching. Maybe you should have been a sex coach. But I think I, sh- I still could be. You never well, know. Well, your comedy career is certainly taking off. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn, damn good. You're it's headlining. Good. We, you just finished yeah. an amazing set at, at Yuck Yucks Calgary. And yeah. But yeah, back to your back to your set. I mean, you had everybody in stitches. You Good. you command the room very well. I have a hard time doing. I know that sounds like uh, weird, but I really never think that I kill. Sometimes I'll feel like I I killed. Like I'll know I killed, and I was like, I'll have an adrenaline rush. Yeah. But I always feel like oh, I'm not that good. Is that okay, because I've had this conversation with people? And the notorious, you know, notoriously histor- historically, a lot of comedians are tortured souls. Oh they, yeah, I'm definitely like fucked up. How so? super depressed all the time and i like i've been depressed since i was like they put me on prozac in grade six wow yeah i shouldn't that's have been early. on it yeah that's they put early. me on it and my mom immediately took me off it they didn't know back then though i no, don't think they, they didn't. knew a lot right no because they were just diagnosing these oh this kid can't pay attention give her lynn this kid right. is sad all the time give her prozac like oh, yeah. we were the experiment generation <laughs> We were it's pretty creepy. We were, yeah, we were pretty much chimps back then. Like our parents were the generation of like fetal alcohol and <laughs> parents smoked because they didn't. My, I don't even know. I, my mom could have smoked because you're 34. Yeah, I'm I was born in 81. Right, I'm yeah. 41, and I was definitely in the era of like we don't know if you can't have a couple of glasses. Yeah, of and so they probably can, yeah. So that was so. that. Gener- but now we have this new generation where you have to do yoga and eat quinoa your entire pregnancy and never eat sushi and always be careful and don't eat spicy things and so your kid comes out perfect and then allergic to everything well that you Ugh. know what because your instagram you've got a lot of pictures of you slamming donairs which is a, oh. a very sexy thing i have a, a lot of pictures of me thing. slamming donairs i think i've seen a couple i do love a good donair yeah. <laughs> 
you're not afraid. You're not. You're obviously a foodie. You, you post oh, yeah. a lot of pictures of food. I've, I'm obsessed with food. I'm definitely. I don't even. You know can adjust that mic, by the way, if you want to. Just yeah, that part in it. On the I don't even know if I can. Uh, if I should say this. Speak. You can edit it out, maybe. Sure, it's up to you. I did it, and it was all right, but it wasn't like food for me. Right. And this <laughs> sounds crazy. Like I had an, my ex. He would. He's like you like love food more than anything like watching you eat i wish you made those faces when i was fucking you <laughs> you get so much happiness and pleasure from food that sex won't even like come close <laughs> to a good donor or so- <laughs> i'm being so serious right now though i'm being a hundred percent i have a crying. i definitely have a food addiction I'm and crying. that's like been my struggle my whole life is like my uh, weight right. so I don't know. And then I lost a bunch of weight, and then guys became interested in me. I didn't know how to handle it. Well, you you look great. You dress to the nines. Oh, thank you. It's yeah, H&M and Old Navy. <laughs> thank you. These are my favorite stores. When you first started out in comedy, though, was your act... Uh, oh, sorry. You oh, no. just twist that little baby around there. We're good. Yeah, at the top of it. Yeah. I th- you think you actually got to twist that it. mic I'll around. I'll just hold it like this. Yeah, there you go. I'll just be a little bit more aggressive with the mic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, when you first started out in comedy, though, was your was your material always racy stuff? Filthy, right from the beginning. Oh, worse than now, worse than who, now. Who did you look up to at the very beginning? Eddie Murphy. When I saw Raw, that was like, that was. I a was Super like Bowl. probably eleven or twelve. I didn't right. know what stand up comedy really was. Yeah. And then I saw Eddie Murphy Raw, and I was like, he's saying really horrible things, very dirty, and everyone loves him. Right. And I saw him like, so you can be funny. And everyone will love you. Right. I need to do that job. And that's when you knew. Yeah. Well, I think I don't know if it's when I knew, but it's when I figured out that stand-up comedy was a thing. And then I was talking to um, Dan Schlissel, who's doing my recording this weekend with right. Stand Up Records, and I was talking to him about Mike McDonald, right? Who is the the king of comedy in Canada? Sure. Like he is legendary. And I remember like watching him on Just for Laughs. I remember watching my mom like nearly piss herself watching him right and i just was like i just want people to be like this for me i want people i want to do that to people i want to make people like just die laughing were you a natural performer growing up i always did theater did you and i always did like music lessons and ballet and all this other crap (laughs) but yeah i did i think i definitely i always wanted to be an actress when i was a little kid i was like i want to be an actress but i was fat right so Back then, if you were fat, there's no way you're going to be an actress. And right. now there's there's all this acceptance sure. for whatever you look like, right. which is another reason why I'm doing Suck It September. Because if I want to suck on something and have people <laughs> pay attention to me, who cares? Why does that bother somebody? I, do you think that? Uh, but but I mean, if you were to, if you were saying this stuff 20 years ago, people would have their their ass oh, yeah. cheeks clenched up, right? When I started, I I did jokes like ridiculous jokes, like I did uh, I had a joke about fucking Jesus, which I still sometimes do because I think it's funny. Right. I had a joke where I used uh, I used cunt. I had right. jokes, and I had comics that would come up to me, starting in Edmonton, and Alberta's a very corporate comedy sure. place, so they would be like, you can't, you will not work. If you are talking about, I had rape jokes. I had like all this stuff. And I've always had a filthy sense of humor. Even like I said, when my friend and I were in grade seven, we would write sex stories on our French sheets. Like, (laughs) 
I just was, sex has always been something, and I, I was not molested. I was not, <laughs> like, I didn't know there's people listening, she's probably molested or something. I was not molested. I just found out about sex, and I thought it looked fun. Maybe I just, like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I w- I've always had a dirty act and stuff. But so people will be like, you have to clean it up or you won't get any corporate work. But I've never wanted to be a corporate comedian. Right. I've never wanted to go and stand up in front of a bunch of bankers and tell them jokes about putting the toilet seat down more often. Do you think that's adversely affected your career? In the probably. Long? Like, it's probably held me back a lot. Like, my act has probably held me back. But I think in the long run, it will shoot me forward. Right. Because I'm just me. Nobody else can, like, take my jokes and do my jokes. Right. I had a like a club manager get all mad once because it was Valentine's Day weekend, and if I knew how dirty you were, I wouldn't have booked you this weekend because we have couples coming for a hundred to hundred dollars a show. And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, I'm not getting any extra money, so <laughs> why do I have to be all corporate clean? And he'd only seen me do a show in front of like six people, and right. everyone bombed. And right. then he saw me do a show in front of a hundred people, and I killed. And he's like, I'm sorry. But he's like, I've always thought that dirty comedy was easy. I was like, yeah, anyone could go up there and talk about sex and talk about this and that. But not everyone can get away with it. I said, I dare you to go up and do my jokes word for word verbatim as yourself. And they won't work. Right. Because you don't like... I just have this way of getting away with shit. Well, you do. <laughs> I get away and you've got a so way of doing it. Absolutely. But I think a lot of it has to do with your connection with the crowd. It has a lot to do with the way that you command... Your presence there, yeah. You take a lot of risks, right? I, I, yeah, I would take. I, yeah, I definitely. I mean, tonight you you were talking politics, and not yeah. a lot of comedians do that. <laughs> well, I was bashing Stephen Harper in and Calgary. I was like, that is not a good idea. No, but it worked, and people, you you know, it was right. a mixed reaction. Yeah. But ultimately, but you they won got them. what I was doing. You and got where what I was you were coming doing. from, exactly. and that's my thing too. It's like I just want people when they come and see me to just let go. To let go of like, uh, I don't like talking about genitals or right. I don't like talking about the fact that as a woman, I should have fun having sex too. Like, right. I don't like that. It's right. too embarrassing. It's such an embarrassing. And I just would, I just want people when they come to my show, just let go of all your, your problems and the pickles that are up your butt and right. just like laugh because I'm not, I, I feel like I, that my act has begot, became, become way more like pro-female just because of my life like I used to be super embarrassed about everything to do with sex and I would never want to have sex with the lights on and I'd be always worried about what a guy thought about me like oh my god I queefed holy shit I'm gross and he's never talked to me again but now I'm an adult and I like have had a lot of sex (laughs) and I have shitty things have happened and great things have happened and like it's just something you I like like telling girls like when they're in their 20s and they come to my show and they're all like oh my god (laughs) Like, if I do a vibrator joke, I don't need a vibrator, I have a boyfriend. I was like, does this dick vibrate? Because if it doesn't, you need a vibrator. But do you think part of that, though, is that the reason why people feel really comfortable with you and they react well to your material is because you give them permission to laugh at that stuff? Yeah. I'm like, laugh at this stuff. Like, be, it's out there. I'm saying this. It's crazy, some of the shit that I'm saying to you. Right. But it's funny. Like I'm not, and, and again, I'm telling the truth. Like, I hate when people are like, you're a dirty comic. And I'm like, no, I'm an honest comic. That's what I am. I'm tired of people saying that just because I talk about, you know, stuff that is not normally talked about, it doesn't mean I'm just filthy, filthy. Sure. Like I'm getting away with stuff. Right. I have this, um, college in the East coast that wants to have me just come. They don't want me to do stand up. They just want me to come and talk to their women's studies course about being a female comedian and about like, you know, like, 
being sex positive and like just living your life and right. not being ashamed of who you are. Right. Because that's the problem. Like, that's what I was so ashamed for so long about who I was because I was fat and because, like, I didn't think guys liked me. And then even, like, I've lost weight and I've gained weight. And I'm, like, I'm finally, like, you know what? It doesn't matter. There's always somebody that's going to be into you. Mm-hmm. So, and now this world is crazy because you can access <laughs> people all over the world and they all want to fuck. <laughs> they don't want to love you, but they sure want to fuck you. <laughs> I'm allowed to say whatever I want on this podcast. You can say whatever you want. Absolutely. <laughs> I ask after I do like yeah. a million. I'm like, that horse has left the stable already. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, you're, 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 that's great. But I like to say, like, I've had it a couple times where I've had groups of girls in their 20s mm-hmm. and they, they seem like, oh, this is icky. Right. But I just like to say to them, I've said it on stage a few times. I'm like, listen, girls, I am your leader. <laughs> listen to me. I'm going to make your life a little bit easier. <laughs> You know, you got to stop, like, letting guys tell you that you're not beautiful. If yeah. a guy tells you you're not beautiful, never talk to him again. Exactly. If anyone makes you feel bad about yourself or about what you're talking about or what you like, fuck them. Get yeah. rid of them. Yeah. There's so many people out there. Absolutely there is. It's changed. Like, I think that's why people are more accepting because there's more access to everybody. Right. Like, before the internet and all this social media shit, which is also shitty. Right. But um, before all this stuff, like, you never... You never saw people that reflected what you looked like mm-hmm. on TV unless you looked perfect. Right. Like, Very true. There's no way that... And then, like, I know, I remember it started to happen. I remember, like, Sarah Rue right. was on that show Popular, and I was like, oh, she's, like, pretty big. And But then they made her lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> the but, suits, yeah, the corporate suits. Yeah, and yeah. I, think it, I think it will always be that way. Like, you'll get a little famous, and they'll they'll make you try to lose weight to look a little bit better, but... But I think like now, like there's Melissa McCarthy is is out there. There's so many women that are like, I don't know. It's just getting better. It's not like sitcoms where the guy's fat and gross and he's he's married to this hot babe that would never yeah. talk to him in real life. Right, right. I think that's why so many people like King of Queens and those types of shows. Yeah, where... but Leah Remini was this tiny little thing. Yeah, and Kevin James was this fat slob. He was absolutely. But and I, then that's she, why but guys love that the show. Thing, I because... like that show too. But also, then she gained weight, and people were like, "She's fat now. She's fat now." I'm yeah. Like, excuse me. Right, right. It's such a double standard. Do you see his belly hanging over his fucking <laughs> pants, and she's a little chubbier in the face? Get out of here! Like. I'm never going to succeed because I'm too mouthy. <laughs> I speak my mind way too much and I do whatever I want and it's not a good thing, I don't think. You don't think so? Well, it's not a good thing for your career. Maybe eventually it'll help me, but... Why not, though? Well, cause, because not? the entertainment industry wants to control people. Sure. Like, anytime I've had meetings with management or anybody, they just want to control you. They right. just want to tell you what to do and tell you what to say. But do you believe in that? Like there's got to be a certain recipe in order to get successful? Or do you think that maybe going the route that you are going where, where you're just saying, listen, like this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. And, and accept it or not. Because obviously yeah. you're getting success right now. You're yeah, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's really well. like that anymore. I think you can be who you are and, and do what you want to do. It, it'll probably be a longer road. Right. But, but I've had people like the, the, the person in my career – like, I've had a lot of comics help me along the way, like Kenny Robinson and Darren Frost right. always went to bat for me, mm-hmm. especially Frosty at Yuck Yucks. He would, they weren't working me in Alberta because of a misunderstanding mm-hmm. about, they thought I was working with this one comic that they hated, and I'm like, I don't even do anything with him. And so Frosty's like, why aren't you working her in Alberta? She's right. funny, she's good. 
he's always gone about for me. Kenny and him put me on their tour with them. And then I won a contest to open for Russell Peters. And he was like the first person that has like a, a large amount of power. Mm-hmm. Sure. He's got some That pool. told me what I was doing was okay. Right. I'm like choking up. I don't know why. What did that feel like for you? It was amazing. Like before that, everybody told me I would get nowhere. Mm-hmm. I always cry on podcasts and it's really annoying. No, it's good. It's, it's good. really dumb. But he was like the very first person that said I was doing fine and just keep doing what you're doing and he still is supportive that way and now more people are becoming that way with me because i still feel like there's lots of industry that don't know me sure and don't see me for what i could do but i'm like eventually it will happen but it's just so fucking long and so poor it's a tough tough road it's so long like my poor mom (laughs) she (laughs) keeps on giving me employment papers (laughs) (laughs) because i like get broken down at home because i don't know like i don't i like i just go back and i'm just like i have no money and every time i make money i have to pay for a flight somewhere i have to pay for rent or to pay for this and i have to pay the government they think i'm making money and i'm not and um Stop crying. Do you think it's going to pay off, though? It's, it will, it's hopefully. It's going to pay off, right? But she keeps on giving me these, like, you know, those jobs. She's like, look, you could work at Pizza 73 from your home. You could take orders from your home. <laughs> <laughs> she's, so, she's so cute, but she just... Uh, I've invested so much time and money and effort into comedy, and everything I learned in business school is gone. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. I've learned... Word 97. Like, it's not like I can keep up anymore. I can't quit. I want to quit all the time, but I can't because I put too much into it. Well, certainly if you've got people like Russell Peters uh, giving you affirmations like that, yeah, it's I cool. think you're on to something huge. And when I walk into the club and I see people walking out after your set and people are still laughing good. and wiping tears out of their eyes. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Not wiping these friggin' stupid tears. I get <laughs> I get so emotional. I think it's because I just I I just want to succeed so badly. And like when I was down in California <laughs> I tried to get a visa. It did not work. I lost four thousand dollars and I had to come back to Canada to work and then they wouldn't let me back in. And the problem with that was I was doing really good. <laughs> like I was hanging out all the time i got i got through to all the clubs i was work not working they the the border said it was working but i wasn't making any money and you're basically volunteering yeah i was volunteering (laughs) but apparently that's illegal at the border so but but i was making strides and i was three months in of hard hanging out being around being seen signing up for the two minute open mics which right not a lot of comics will do that. Sure. Like I was down there for six months and I barely saw any of the Canadians that were living down there. Wow. And I was down there. I was at a lot of the clubs right. and I was grinding it out and I was getting noticed. And then I had to go back to work and Russell even said, don't go back. And I'm like, I can't afford right. to do this anymore. So I went back and it was so stupid. Cause like I saw the, a little bit of a light. Sure. And I was like, I'm getting closer to that light. But do you think it's gone? Because... And then it got taken away. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's taken away. No, forever, that's true. Right? I just like, and everybody asks me about like, what are you doing with your visa? How's that going? I'm like, I'm not doing anything because it really took the wind out of my sails. Sure. Like, well, especially being in the line of work that comedians are, yeah. you don't get to bank a lot of money. That's no. for damn sure. And Canada doesn't give a shit about us. Right. 
They don't give a shit about you until you've made something out of your... You know, why is it so hard for Canadians to support Canadians? Why do you think that that is? I don't know. There's no funding. There's no original programming for Canadians right now. Like, a few, but they don't even have comedy now is gone. Like any. Let me ask you, though. Is that... Do you feel like... it's your responsibility to create that or do you feel like it's something that you need to you reach a certain level of success yeah because you're on that road right now yeah clearly you're in a lot of comedians that are in your place give it a couple of years they build up to a certain success they go to the united states yeah. and that's that's the routine yeah do but you that shouldn't feel... be the routine anymore canada needs to do more but but there's who... so many funny people here absolutely we all need to do more we all need to be like listen we all need to pressure the comedy network to sure. stop just doing American programming. Right. We all need to get them to give us comedy specials. Right. We need Canadian Netflix to give Canadians. Spe- I feel like I sound like such a baby and a whiner, but this is for me and all of my friends that are struggling in this fucking country. <laughs> and it's the funniest people. I see the funniest people struggling, mm-hmm. and people leave here thinking. Oh, they're an entertainer. They make a ton of money. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. We don't. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I see... I have so many friends that, that are struggling. They even have, uh, like, papers to the States, but... I don't know. It's just so frustrating when there's so much talent in this country. Absolutely. Like, someone like Graham Clark is not a celebrity mm-hmm. in Canada. He's right. the funniest man. Yeah. He is the funniest man. Sean LeComber is this incredible genius, and he's in freaking Alberta. Right. Working, one, uh, like, road stuff. He should be writing for a television show. Mm-hmm. He should have his own television show. That's like Christina Walkinshaw is amazing. Right. And then the stuff that they offer Canadians is, is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, here's $1,000 for your TV idea. We're going to take it and make a lot of money out of it, and you're going to get this. Like... Right. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for everything I'm saying. You know what? Whatever you don't want to air doesn't have to But air. I hope that I do want people to hear this. I and I hope that somebody that is higher up listens to this. I don't know if they will. Mm-hmm. But give some can I'm not even complaining about myself. If you don't think I deserve it, don't give it to me. But there are people that fucking deserve it. Right. That are leaving and you don't give a shit about them until they become successful and then they come back and you're like, "We always knew you had it." <laughs> That you know? seems to be very, yeah, that seems it's to be a popular thing, for it's sure. so fr- And I know that, like, I, I have a fan base. A lot of it is in the States, so I'm not even kidding you. Because I've done Ari Shafir's podcast, and I got a ton of, of followers out of it. Sure. And they're all in the States, and they're all saying, come to the States, come to the States. I'm like, I wish I could just come down there and do shows and come back. But there's so many loopholes and things that you have to jump through. And, oh, for sure. And you have to, uh, the stuff that they make you do is just... They make you write these letters saying that you're an extraordinary person. Do you know how hard it is for a stand-up comedian to say, I'm an extraordinary person? <laughs> when you feel like you're a pile of garbage all the time? Like, it's embarrassing. That's tough. That is tough. This is a very weird podcast. Is- <laughs> I made it weird, not you. I talk too much. But... Since we're talking about success, though, what is, what is the definition for that? For you, I to mean, able to, you could, I mean, if you could make a good living in yeah. Canada, would you stay here? I would stay here and work here and go to the states too. Right. I would come back and work here as much as possible. I right. love Canada. I love the crowds here. Yeah, 
I think Canada appreciates comedy on a level that other countries don't. Right. We have to. We're fucking cold all the time. Right. <laughs> like, but I, I think that like success to me would be like I, I tour every weekend. I make real money. Mm-hmm. I can live comfortably. Mm-hmm. That's that's success to me. Anything beyond that, beyond that is is a lottery shot, right? right? Like people right. that are famous, they won the lottery. Mm-hmm. They worked really hard, but they got pucked out because there are people everywhere that are working their asses off sure. to get this stupid fame. Right. That oh, I yeah. don't want I mean, fame. I, lived... I just want money. <laughs> <laughs> but I... but you know what? I I, I lived with the guy, uh, a roommate of mine, and and you know this guy was just, just a phenomenal talent. Yeah. And he'd always say like the only difference between me and Ryan Seacrest is that he was at the right place at exactly. the right time. Exactly. It is a, it, it is. is. And that's another thing that, like, I have to understand, Mm -hmm. that it's breaks. Right. You'll be lucky, and you'll get a break, and something will happen at the right time, and it'll just start to flow. Yeah. But you don't want it to be that way. (laughs) You want it to be the the person that works the hardest. But I don't know. And And comedy is a lot about who sticks it out the longest. Sure. Like, there, I mean, I'm only 10 years in. I'm being a big baby. But yeah, ten years is a large chunk of your life, though. It, that's the problem. Sure. <laughs> is that I'm still a baby in comedy, but ten years is a fucking long time. Like sure. I've missed Christmases and missed weddings and Absolutely. missed all this stuff because I want to do comedy. Anyway, I gotta stop crying. I'm such a baby. You're not a baby. I'm I just think, passionate I think about this it. Is, that was going to be my next sentence. Is that I think you're just yeah. extremely pa- passionate about comedy and your work and your career. I love making people laugh. As cheesy as that sounds. It, like, I gotta be having the worst day of my life. And then I have a good set. And it's just like, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> everything's did. great had, in the world. Yeah. And then I bomb, and then I'm like, oh, everything sucks. <laughs> and then I have a good set, and I'm back. It's like so manic. Comedy is so manic. It is manic. But you know what? I also get to see the look on people's faces when they're taking yeah, pictures yeah. with you, and they come up and they ask to, you know, come, come and talk to you. And Yeah, totally. It's, and uh, it's, it's an amazing cool. feeling. It's cool getting recognized. It's not cool getting recognized in my day job. <laughs> like working when I worked at Starbucks in Toronto, people go, did I see you at Yuck Yucks? No, 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 no. I have not. I'm not a comedian. How, how can people find you? Um, I am all over the internet. I'm addicted to social media. Yes. So I am um, uh, Instagram, Kathleen underscore McGee. Twitter, Kathleen underscore McGee. Facebook, Kathleen McGee. Tinder, Kathleen. 34. It- <laughs> That's my Tinder profile. Swipe left. I like Swipe left. Ugh, Tinder is the worst. But I like to. I'm a, such an asshole on Tinder. Are you? I troll. Your I Tinder joke not. is just absolutely. Money. It's true though. I would. I've never done it, but I really you would should. like to do. You really should invite three guys or three or four guys <laughs> to the same place and have them all show up. And be like, well, you're all on a job interview. Best one gets the job. Let's see which best one, one gets the blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're definitely a huge talent in my eyes. Oh, thank you. And we're getting married, right? We're getting married for the green card, right? The visa? No, we're getting married because we love each other. I mean, yeah. Yes, we love. We've been in love for two hours. That's right. It's It's hot and heavy. It's going places. We're going to Calgary City Hall tomorrow. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being... uh, passionate and and it's refreshing to see that thank you absolutely i i had fun i had a blast (laughs) sorry i cried (laughs) 
All right, folks, here you have it, the Kathleen McGee interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Very raw, very open, very honest, very passionate, and also very funny. Be sure to check her out as she is on tour right now, actually, at a Yucks near you. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's out in Halifax or something like that, or I don't know, something. I think that's where she posted a picture the last time I saw one. So uh, check her out. Go to yuckyucks.com. On behalf of myself and all the crew here at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer Kira Williams, and of course, the webmaster Camille on the one, twos, and threes. Until next week, I shall see you again, my friend. 